Welcome to the Cap City Church podcast. This is the recording of our Sunday message. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged as you listen to this. Enjoy. We are possibly, I think, in our penultimate session on the book of Exodus. So we are, we are almost finished. Now, uh, it's, uh, it's good to get something of a reaction when you say that, isn't it? You can gauge the room. Some people are like, phew, we can do, you know, we can move on to something that's uh, a little more coherent, or some people really enjoying it. Um, but I've found this session, uh, this, this series, incredible, and there's been so much, uh, so much to it, so much depth. Um, and what I've found, and I don't know if it's the same for, for Abby or for Neil, that as we've started to go through this, this book, and we've been doing Exodus since, goodness me, September or October last year. It's been a while. Um, the reality is I've found we, we could easily spend twice as much time if not more, on some of the stuff that comes through. Uh, but we've, kind of, we've, we've gone through it, we've moved through it with purpose, and it's been really, really fruitful. Uh, but today's session, we, if you want to put your thumb in Exodus 35, uh, that's where we're going to look at in just a moment. Uh, but I want to start by asking you uh, maybe a little bit of conversation with each other. Um, two questions. What are you passionate about, and what are you good at? Maybe mention to the person next to you. Now, if those two things are the same thing, uh, that, is, that is a magical place to be. I think amazing things happen when passion and purpose collide. Uh, but maybe just mention to the person next to you, what are you passionate about? What are the things that you love? What are the things that are important to you? And what are you good at? What do you feel you've got? Um, what would you put on your CV under special skills? Maybe just mention that to the person next to you for a moment. I'm going to encourage you to, to draw it, just to reel that one back in. That's a conversation you can pick up with somebody at the end of church. If someone said, you know, my, my specialist skill is, um, is running community events. Wow, if that's you, we'd love to speak with you. And, uh, and there's this whole host of things. we. Can, uh, but maybe, maybe pick that conversation up with somebody a little bit later if you want. Uh, but we're going to be looking at Exodus 35. Uh, and there are, if you've got headers in your Bible for the certain passages, I'll have it up on the screen. This, uh, <coughs> this one is referred to as, uh, and I was, I was practicing saying this all day, one of, the, one of the most intimidating things about reading the Bible out loud is, uh, is some of the names, right? And so we've got uh, Bizarre, uh, see, I started off with Bizarre, I started off with such intention and purpose. Bizarrel and uh, Aholiab. We're going to have to do this several times throughout this morning. We'll get there, we'll get there in the end. Uh, no. Well, I have to. I'm going to read the passage now, so I'm going to have to do it again. Uh, so <laughs> Exodus 35, 30 uh, uh, to 35. says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab, the son, it just gets worse and worse, doesn't it, of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. 
Anyone specialist skill working in embroidery in purple, blue, and scarlet yarn? Anyone, anyone good at working uh, with gold or bronze or silver? These, these were the skills that obviously were highly demanded at this time. These were the ones that were valued uh, by the, uh, the craftsmen of Moses' time. And we looked, uh, we looked yesterday, uh, not yesterday, last week, uh, at the, uh, the tabernacle. I think I've blocked some of it from my memory as we tried to construct our little makeshift tabernacle at the back of the room. Uh, but to give a quick summary, the tabernacle was effectively a tent, but not any old tent. Uh, it was a tent with the purpose of being the mobile temple of God, a home for God's presence on earth, a place where heaven and earth crossed over. And it was a reminder uh, to God's people that God's desire was to live with them, that his presence was to travel with them. That as they, were, uh, as they were foreigners, as they were people without a land or a home, symbolically God's home was to be carried with them. And it was that visual image, uh, both the, the, the physical reality of God's presence and the mental picture of God's temple, God's home, God's tabernacle moving with his people. That just as the Israelites would, would put tents up and then take them down when it was ready, uh, when it was time to, to move, then so, do, so too did God. His tent came down and he moved with them. It was a powerful reminder for God's people as they had left slavery in Egypt that God was with them wherever they went. And as they constructed this, uh, this tent, this tabernacle, this mobile temple, uh, it was filled with symbolism and incredible design and luxury. To enter this tent was to be surrounded with blue and purple and scarlet, to be uh, surrounded by gold and the sweet smell of incense. Uh, and making the tabernacle was a supremely creative endeavor. How many of you love a little bit of interior design? Anyone love that? that I think that's, it's, a, it's an incredible skill. Uh, I do not know how to do it. Uh, every now and again, I just move furniture around in my house and go, well, a change is as good as a break, right? And that's about as much, that's about as, much as I can shoot for. Yeah, there's just pe people, some people just got this skill for knowing where to hang a picture. And it just makes a room look amazing. All I do is put holes in walls and then just hang things and go, well, I don't know what else to do with it. And it just, it just got me thinking, how... How would you arrange a room that was designed for God? How would you, how would you do it? Because the symbolism there is significant, not only uh, about how you see God, how you perceive him, but if you were given that task, it's the kind of thing we'd do with a youth group. Ben, saw that one away. If you were to design God's living room, what would be in there? What would it look like? What are the things that matter to him? What are the things that help you understand him? And so the tabernacle was, was just creativity everywhere. And that's our, our first point. When we think about creativity, when we think about building the tabernacle, the creativity and the detail that God brings into this is incredible. Hands up, creative people in the room. Come on, you know who you are. Don't, don't, no, don't, don't, there's no shyness about this. Some of you should have your hands up that don't, but that's okay. Uh, I think you guys are amazing. Creative people, I think, are phenomenal. Uh, just the way their brains work, the things that they're able to do. Um, I feel like a bit of an imposter around creative people. Um, I'm not a creative person myself. I'm a great copier. Uh, I'm great at stealing other people's great ideas and kind of re-implementing them as my own. But I'm not naturally creative in that respect. So I love creative things. I just don't have that creative spark. However, sometimes I think we, we need a better and broader definition of creative. 
That, that typically what we think about when we think creative people, we think people who, uh, who can draw, people who can sing, people good with music or, 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 or kind of creative ideas, uh, sometimes people who just wear very, very colorful clothes, and we kind of see them as the creative types, those are those amazing ideas. Um, and so often we limit creativity to, to kind of artistic endeavor. Uh, and that's not a bad thing, and there's, there's obviously an element to which that is, uh, that is definitely creative. But I think the reality is anyone who brings something into existence is a creative. Right? That, that anyone who, anyone who, who, who pours something of themselves into something new is creative. Let me give you a, an, examine, uh, an, uh, an example that might seem a bit strange. But for those of you who are married, uh, this is it's two people coming together to create something that wasn't there before. Uh, and in some respects, they're, they're creating something out of nothing. It's just the two of them. And they begin to build and invest and come together and shape something that didn't exist before. Parents are another great example. You, you, know, you, you literally form these children out of relatively almost nothing. I'm trying to explain my daughter this. Having this conversation with my daughter the other day, with what, what a baby's actually made of. I'm like, I don't know if I want to have this conversation. But that idea that it's not just the, the physical creative act, but as, as children develop and grow and nurture, they don't, they don't become who they are by accident. We feed into them. Think about your, your own families and households. That what you create in that environment, in those relationships, what you do, what you say, what you build, the environment and the culture that you shape and nurture. It's the same with friendships. It's the same with our jobs. It's the same with anything that we pour our effort into. There's a creative task to be found all over the place. And more than that, I think there is beauty in creating structure. I think so often people who are organized by nature get a bad rep on the creativity spectrum. But managing numbers, organizing people, challenging systems, creativity is bringing something into existence. Bringing uh, order or beauty into the chaos or the mess around us. And Genesis 1 tells the story of a God who is a creator. In fact, not just a creator, but supremely creative. And you'll see throughout Genesis 1 this refrain, and it was good, rings through that opening chapter of the Bible. That God is supremely creative. I've got a slide for you, uh, this, this next one here. I sometimes, I love just watching the sky sometimes. I can remember driving home from work uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, and just seeing the sky in front of me, these incredible cloud formations and the sun was going down and there were these, these uh, blues and pinks and yellows and just, and this, it didn't even compete, this, the, the sky that I saw was even better than that. But you look up at the sky like that and you think, who has the audacity to combine those colors? It is both incredibly beautiful and terribly garish all at the same time. And yet, I, when I see the sky like that, I can't help but stare and go, my goodness, God is amazing. That the world over is like this. That the fact that we as human beings have the capability to see colors across this spectrum and, and to be moved and in awe of them, I think is not a deductive argument for God's existence, but certainly is an inductive argument for God's existence. We look at that and go, my goodness, look at the creativity and the beauty of the world around us and the fact that we as his creation appreciate and acknowledge and are moved by it. The world around us is filled with this beauty. 
But even more than that, it is filled with an order and a coordination and a set of detail and system behind our world and and that our world is built on, which is phenomenal. I don't think you need to simply look at at cloud formations at sundown to see the beauty. You can look at the the, the molecular structure of a single-celled organism and see something of the beauty of God in creation. And so church, listen, when, when we are creative, using that broad sense of creation, and when we are creative, we are operating within our calling. When we are creating, we resemble our creator. And I'm not saying you all need to go home and get the watercolors out and just paint something. But let me tell you, that's a good thing. If you like that, let me tell you, do that to the glory of God. Engage with that creative element, knowing that you are reflecting and representing your Savior, that that in itself is an act of worship. But church, we resemble our creator to bring things into existence, to bring uh, order and beauty in our world is to be like God and to be more of who we were made to be. God is created, uh, is creative, and we are made in his image. And so at work, at, at home, with our friends, uh, in our personal lives, and our, in our own time, in the quietness and the stillness of the day, As we go through this world, you are made, and more importantly, you are called to speak life into this world. And you might intentionally feel, you might feel a little excluded, or you might begin to exclude yourself from that and say, I am not the creative type. That is not me. You are not describing me when you speak like that. That just isn't who I am. Anyone feel like that? Sometimes maybe even a little bit? And what I, what I love about the, the honesty of those objections is, uh, is if we think back to, it was about October, November last year, uh, they sound a lot like the objections that Moses gave God when he called him. God called Moses to, to, to free his people, to be the leader of, of this new movement of the people of God as he brought them out of slavery. And Moses was like, well, pick anybody except for me. I can't do this. I'm not a good speaker. I don't have these... Moses gave God every excuse that he possibly could. To which God's response was, it is not about how you feel or what you think, but it's about the Spirit of God empowering us. He says, see, the Lord has chosen uh, Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with the Spirit of God. I love that it doesn't say he's really, really good at this stuff. And so we're going to use him. It's like, we, you know, we, we took applications, we lined them all up, we considered their work and their back catalogue and their experience, and we've gone with the best guy. Now, I'm sure he was the best guy for the job, but what was significant about this passage and what it identifies is he is filled with the Spirit of God. That is not just his ability, but it is God working through him. It says, the Lord has chosen him. God chooses us. Like I'm saying, the great part of the the Exodus story, God choosing Moses to lead, and Moses does everything he can to get out of it. He focuses on his own inabilities. He's telling God, I don't have these skills. You know, God God has told him, just, 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 Break it down for a second. God has told him, I want you to go and speak to the most powerful man in the world and tell him to let my people go. 
And if Moses' objections were, were genuine, rather than just Moses going, I don't want to do this. If Moses was Moses like, I'm not a good speaker, whether that's because he's got a stutter or he was not very eloquent or was just crushed by a lack of self-confidence or whatever it was, if it was genuine, the God of the universe, is, is, it feels like he's picking on Moses. Moses is going, God, why are you asking me to do the one thing that I don't believe I can do? And it's easy for us to have those objections. It's easy for us to go, God, you, you might think I'm the right one for this job, but let me give you a list of reasons why that's not going to work out. And the amazing thing is when God chooses you, your objections are not obstacles. Your objections are not obstacles. You might, you might think, I can't do this because of X, Y, and Z, but if God wants to use you, he can equip you. And the language of the New Testament is filled with this idea that we are chosen by God, that our, that our salvation is an act of divine choice, is that God's will and desire to bring you into his family, to make a way of salvation, not only that, that opens the door for you, but that brings you in close to him. There's this incredible verse in, in Romans chapter 8, one of, possibly one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. But in Romans 8, 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And kind of lost in the words a little bit, there's a very, very wordy statement. But what he's saying is, he said, if God has done the most difficult thing, God has done the most significant and amazing thing that is sending Jesus to die for you. How on earth would we not expect him to do what is comparatively far easier and equip you and give you everything that you need for life and, and, and transformation and support for the challenges that we face? It says he filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all kinds of skills. Let me ask you in this moment, what does God want from us? Who does God want us to be? And that answer is going to be slightly different, if, if I might be considerably different for a lot of us in this room. Some of us have got a good idea of what that might be already, and we're, we're striving and we're working towards it. For some of us, we're still figuring that out. But let me ask you, does it require wisdom? and understanding, and knowledge, and skill, because God's desire is to give us his spirit to fulfill, and to empower, and to equip us to do more, and to be more. The Apostle Paul, writing in 2 Corinthians 5, says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. He says, the old is gone, and the new is here. The churches, as followers of Jesus, as new creations in him, we are not the sum total of our baggage and our bad experiences. Just going to tell you, what that, that is really good news. That who you are and your life and your value and your meaning and your purpose is more than just the sum of your collective experiences, good and bad. But in him you are a new creation. You are a new platform to build on. You are, you are new opportunities, new potential. And listen, it says, it says elsewhere in the New Testament, in James chapter 4, it says, you don't have because you don't ask. He said specifically, there, there are so many things in life that we, we go after in the wrong way because there's stuff that we want. And he said, you, you should start by asking God for these things. 
See, God is eager to equip you with what you need. But you're lacking in what you, what you need because you don't ask for it. Ask yourself, what could God be working within you? But it simply isn't there because you aren't asking for it. Which is a challenging question because sometimes you need to stop and go, well, actually, this is missing, and this is missing, and this is missing. And, and that's, that's not a comfortable exercise to put ourselves through. It requires a, layer of, a, a level of vulnerability with ourselves. Going, well, I'm not a patient person. That, I, that I'm not as generous as I ought to be. That, that, that in fact, I'm seriously lacking in, in, in aspects of, of, of compassion with those around me. Whatever it might be, we need to stop. We need to peel back the veneer of our life and see what is truly underneath. And what could God do with me if I gave myself over to him? The importance here is this isn't, this isn't something that's simply downloaded into our brains like a software upgrade. It would be nice if it was, we might think, well, if, if God could just kind of work on me and change this now, that would be really helpful. But the reality is it's something that is birthed in us and needs to be developed and nurtured that we keep coming back to God for, to grow and to see built within us. And church, we're, we're called, we are, we are called to walk in our calling. Just down the road from where I live, um, they are building the, 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 I think it's the new Cardiff Metro station. So just outside of Taft's Well, just at, at Taft's Well, there's this huge, huge buildings going up, and we've been watching this process uh, over the last 18 months or so, or however long it's been going on, uh, from the point in which they just leveled the ground, just everything came down, down to the ground. Uh, they began to, to, you know, to dig and put the, uh, the structure and the frameworks up. You've got these huge cranes, you've got diggers, uh, you've got men wearing fluorescent yellow and hard hats everywhere. And slowly but surely, we've seen this huge set of structures come up into place to take shape and to rise out of the ground as though they were alive. And it's this incredible building. Test. Like, I love watching projects like that when you can see it over the course of time, when you can see it from, from before there was anything there to see the finished article. And there's this amazing verse in Ephesians 2.10 um, that starts by saying, you are God's workmanship. That you this morning, right now, you, you are the workmanship, you are the craft, you are the, the building project, as it were, of God. And that's true both individually and collectively as the church, that we are the, the work of God. Now, we're not the finished article. Uh, there might be bits of us that are, that, are, that are still yet to be built or yet to be finished. But we are the initiative of God. Something that he is committed to building and committed to finishing. It says in Philippians 1.6, he says, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That God is working on you. That God is committed to the project that is you. That God hasn't left you high and dry. He's not going to take in a break. He's not out to lunch. And he'll come back to you as and when at some point in the future. But you are the workmanship of God and that he is committed to the successful project that is your life. Church, we were, we were made to be creative. 
Ephesians 2.10 goes on to say that, that not only are we the workmanship of God, but that he made us for good works. That we were made to create, and part of that creation is transforming the world around you. When we, when we really drill into this idea from Genesis 1, if we see in Genesis 1, uh, we see this creator God creating the, 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 the beauty and the order of the world around us. And how did he do it? How did, how did God create, this is you know, a little, little bit of uh, Sunday School 101, how did God create the world? He spoke. Created the world with his word. And very intentionally in John's gospel, when John uh, begins uh, in, in John chapter 1, the start of his gospel, this story, this narrative about Jesus and who he is and what he is here for, he calls Jesus the word. And if we are made in God's image, if we are meant to be creative, one of the primary ways that we bring things into existence is with what we say. One of the easiest ways we walk in our creative identity is the words that we speak out into the world around us. That I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but the words you say have, the, have the, the potential, have the power and capability to create something new in the world around us. They've got the ability to destroy, and, and the book of Proverbs is very quick to remind us that, 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 that the danger of words used improperly in fact, again, going back to the book of James, he says the power of life and death lives within the tongue. And so church, as, as beings created in the image of God, designed and called to be creative, the, primar- the primary way we do that is what we speak into existence around us. When we think about the, 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 the priority and the imperative that the New Testament gives to, to words of love and of compassion and encouragement, the, this is creating something in the hearts and lives of people around us that is good, that is godly, that reflects who he is and is a genuine work of creativity. When we reflect on the words of, of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray when they asked him to teach us to pray as you do. He starts by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The part of God's mission through us, through the church, is to populate earth with the reality of heaven. That he does this through the creativity of his church, creating things that are beautiful. I think when we, when, we make, uh, when we make art, when we make craft, when we make things that are beautiful, when we make music, whatever we do, it is a service to the world that makes it a little more heavenly and a little less hellish. That when we serve the needs of those around us, that I'm convinced that, the, that one, of the most, one of the greatest examples I've seen of heaven invading earth is when we've done Starfish Kids Camp. I think it's as close as I've seen the church to, to glorious and powerful and operating within a heavenly reality on this planet that I've ever seen. It's community outreach. It's when in a couple of weeks' time, we show the people of this community around us the love of God, just a small glimpse of what that means with acts of generosity and love and kindness. It might seem simple, it might not seem much, but it's a moment in which we create something in the hearts and minds and community around us. I want to finish with, with, with one more thing, just one more reflection before we, we respond and we worship. Um, but in our, in our lounge group that I was in this week, um, my lounge has been going through 
um, uh, 24-7 prayers resource, Lectio Divina. We've been looking at the idea of, um, of, of how we prayerfully and meditatively read God's word, expecting God to speak to us. And, um, and part of what it encourages you to do is, is to go through a passage of Scripture that you're reading and, um, and, and uh, uh, to read it, to pray through it, to meditate on it, to implement it, all this kind of stuff. And, um, and I was, as I was reading this passage, um, it, it literally struck me this morning. It, it happened this, this morning as I was reading through again, just, just in a quiet time as I, as I got up and I was reading through my notes, it struck me again. So this is a little bit fresh, so excuse me if it's a bit rough around the edges, but let's... Let's read those first two verses again. It says, See, the Lord has chosen um, Bezalel, 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 we'll, we'll get there by the end. The son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all, sort, all kinds of skills. And as I was reading through that, we were reflecting this week, there's something, something amazing about reading the Bible. That we can read a passage many, many times and yet all of a sudden God speaks to us in a fresh way or brings a fresh revelation to us that we simply had never had before. And that is exactly what happened to me this morning. Here we've got God choosing this man from the tribe of Judah, filling him with the Spirit of God for the purpose of bringing people in to his presence. For the purpose of bringing worship to God. And it just struck me, Jesus is the chosen one of God. He's the, the, the Christ, the Messiah, which means the anointed one, the one consecrated or set apart for God. He is God's chosen. In, in Matthew 3, it says that Jesus is baptism. When Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. The Spirit of God descended like a dove on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I just thought we could, we could easily rewrite that passage. Jesus, the, 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 the chosen one of God, God's beloved son, son of David of the tribe of Judah, filled with the Spirit of God, with all wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and skill, not simply as a craftsman, although he did do plenty of that through his life, but as the craftsman of salvation, whose skill was the creation of new life, and new pathways, not just into the presence of God, but into God's very family. But I was reminded as I just paused and slowed down on this passage, that God uses creativity to bring salvation. God uses creativity to bring transformation. Just think about the amount of, uh, of, of incredible art and music and literature and, and these amazing things that have been birthed by the creativity of God in that moment. That Jesus is the architect of our salvation. Doesn't do it in such a way that, that overrides us or bulldozes who we are, but does it in such a way that it, it, is, it is skillfully done. That our salvation looks to use the, the, the sin and the evil of this, of this world against itself to bring us into his family. And I thought as we, as we respond in this moment, we start by reflecting on this, that it is through God's creativity, through God's craftsmanship, through the wisdom and the skill of Jesus, that we come into the presence of our Creator. Father God, you have made a way, and it is beautiful. 
God, you have brought us into your presence. That Jesus, it is, the, it is your workmanship that has brought us salvation, that has found forgiveness for us, that has allowed us to step into the presence of heaven. And Father, as we think about our calling and our purpose, God, is that, that we find our creativity in you. God, we find ourselves in you. God, as we slow down, as we stop trying to be something that we're not, as we stop chasing after things that aren't for us, God, as we find ourselves in you, find our identity, not only in being created by you, but called to create as you did. Lord, along, that, along for that to be a, a challenge in my life, God, that that would be a challenge for each one of us this week. God, that we would find creativity not in our own inspiration, but in the inspiration of Jesus. But Lord, we would be challenged to speak out, to create, to transform the environments, the relationships, the, <coughs> the encounters in our life to bring the creativity and the love of God into those moments. Father, I pray for us collectively as, as Cap City Church, God, that there would be just a, a, a stirring in our spirits, God, that there would be this longing to see more of you, God, that we would build in this place a community that reflects heaven on earth. God, that we wouldn't do that through, through gold and silver or through uh, uh, fancy embroidery or, or, or whatever else it is, God, but we would build a temple made of people. God, that the temple of God, the Spirit of God, would inhabit the relationships that we carry. God, the encouragement that we speak. Lord, the generosity that we live by. God, that your Spirit would take residence in this fellowship. And God, that, that heaven would invade earth because your temple is built in our midst. God, not, not a temple made of human hands. But God, your spirit operating in fullness in the hearts and lives of your church. God, let that be our vision. Not just this week, not just for our Easter outreach, but God, moving forward. God, that you would build your temple. That the Jesus, your presence, would inhabit this church. That Holy Spirit, you would empower us with all wisdom and understanding and skill and knowledge and insight for the mission that you've called us to. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more about us, please visit our website, capcitycardiff.org.uk.